you've got to balance three separate things at all times when you're a small uh, business provider like myself. Uh, you've got to be focused on business development, so net new clients. You've got to be focused on serving the clients you've got. And you've got to be focused on developing and nurturing uh, your network. And you cannot neglect any one of those three things. Welcome to the Referral Bench Podcast, a weekly podcast for business owners and salespeople growing their business with networking and referrals. I'm Ian Campbell, CEO of Mission Suite. And I'm Phil Pelto, CEO of Firestorm. If you're working on growing your network, we have another great episode coming your way today. So grab your beverage of choice and let's get to this week's interview. This podcast is brought to you by Firestorm. Firestorm is a business-to-business networking organization that organizes events and meetings for business owners and professionals where they can meet, build relationships, and share referrals. Learn more at myfirestorm.com. And this podcast is brought to you by Mission Suite, offering small business owners, salespeople, and sales teams the contact management and sales automation software they need to grow their business at a cost that they can afford. Learn more about Mission Suite at www.themissionsuite.com. And this podcast is brought to you by Morton Design Co. Morton Design Co. is a collaborative, creative studio based in Denver, Colorado. They help businesses tell their unique story through thoughtful strategy and kick-ass design. Their aim is to give small to medium-sized businesses the visual impact of their larger competitors. Specialties include brand identity, logo development, and print design. Visit mortondesignco.com to learn more. Welcome to another episode of the Referral Bench Podcast. Today, we are joined with Rich Cucuzzo, who is the founder and president of Sales Velocity Advisors, uh, providing sales consulting and fractional sales leadership services. Rich helps companies build or lead sales teams to accelerate profitable growth. Prior to founding Sales Velocity Advisors in 2018, Rich spent 30 years with FedEx in sales and sales management. Today, his focus is serving the small to mid-sized business community by sharing his sales expertise and experience. And uh, Rich has a, you know his LinkedIn profile, website, YouTube channel. We'll talk a little bit more about that later on, and uh, and we'll get make sure to get those in the show notes too. But Rich, thanks so much for being here, man. Hey, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. And that, that was a mouthful on that introduction. I might need to shorten it up a little bit. It's one of the shorter ones that we've had. So you're uh, so you're okay there. Don't <laughs> you didn't want to hear about like what I did when I was 12 years old? Okay. Yeah, yeah. right. Exactly. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So, uh, so Rich, you know, you, uh, you mentioned that you were with FedEx for uh, for thirty years there. Uh, so, I mean, is it? I mean, kind of give us a little bit more of a story uh, back background of you know your sales experience. You know, kind of how you how you got into sales and what made you ultimately make the transition into uh, into sales velocity advisors. Sure. No, thank you. Um, you know, I, of course, there's always a story, right? And I, I'd like to say that. As a, as a young guy going to college, I had dreams and visions of joining a transportation company and one day becoming a VP of sales. And I can't say that ever happened. It was simply uh, a job to pay for school. I was 20 years old. I was going to college and I was out of a job. I needed another one. And I uh, had a buddy of mine in one of my classes that worked at FedEx, customer service. He said, they're hiring. Apply. I did. I got the job. And uh, did that for a couple of years, you know, just a part-time gig. I'll tell you what, customer service over the phone. And this is back in the day when, you know, you didn't have, you know, the internet and all these things that you can do, right? So uh, the phone rang a lot. 
And uh, that's a tough job. Luckily for me, it was just part-time. It paid well. So then I graduated two years after I started with FedEx and I had a marketing degree. And of course, you know, I never thought about staying at FedEx. I figured I'd, I'd go do something else. And there were no marketing jobs at FedEx uh, out in, uh, in the field. I was born and raised in New Jersey and that's where I started, right? So I had to move to Memphis. I'm like, no, I'm 22. I just got out of college. I'm not moving to Memphis. That's not happening. And, and so I didn't see a career path for me. And uh, anyway, random conversation with uh, a manager that was covering for, for my boss who was on vacation. You know, it's one of those conversations you have in your early 20s when you graduate from school, right? Didn't you just get, didn't you just graduate? Yeah. Uh, so what are you going to do? I don't know. What'd you get your degree in? Marketing. You ever think about sales? No. <laughs> you know, it was really, that's kind of how it went. And, and uh, you know, because I had this, this perception of sales that I think a lot of people do, that it was a less than honorable profession. And of course, I didn't see myself at 22 years old stepping into something like that, right? You know, and then it's the visions of, you know, used cars and vacuum cleaners and, you know, whatever, phone service providers, I guess, these days. And my, I don't, you know, or direct TV, right? Going to no. Costco. I just, it's not, I didn't want to be that guy. And, and the conversation she had with me, and I remember like it was yesterday, and she's like, no, you know, you're representing FedEx. You know, we've got a really great brand. And, and so there's no cold calling. I mean, it's this, and she's walking through the job and literally, you know, when we were done, I was convinced that maybe I should check it out. And hey, surprise, surprise, they had some openings and hey, why don't you apply? So I did, long story short, showed up got the job. And I wasn't sure for the first few months that sales was right for me. I think it was, it was different. You had to learn, you know, even though I had worked in customer service and I kind of knew the products and services of FedEx, you know, it's a whole different approach when you're engaging with clients and prospective clients and identifying needs and then being able to, you know, offer the appropriate solutions. So after about six months, I started having some success and, uh, you know, I just kind of took off from there. So yeah, I was a sales rep uh, first over the phone. It was telephone sales, inside sales, I guess they would call it today, or virtual sales, right? Everybody's over the phone in the pandemic. And then I uh, did a field sales job for a few years. Mm -hmm. uh, moved from New Jersey to Connecticut to do that. Uh, and then again, another one of those moments, you know, God has a tendency to put people in your path and, and encourage you or help you pivot from one thing to another. Uh, I, my manager at that time, and I was like 25, and she's like, you know, do you ever think about getting into a leadership role? I'm like, I'm 25. No. It's <laughs> like, so well, no, I, I really think you have the right mindset, skill set, ability to be successful in leadership. You know, this is how you could pursue that at FedEx. And she encouraged me. So I went down that path, ultimately got selected to go into a management development program at FedEx in Memphis. So I still ended up in Memphis. And uh, so did that, went, went there for um, early 90s, was there for about a year and a half. And then I got my first manager's job in LA in, uh, in, in uh, the fall of 91. So I was a sales manager in the South Bay, and then I got promoted to a national account manager in Southern California. Then that got moved to Michigan, that was fun. <laughs> I was out in Michigan for, for a few years, responsible for the automotive industry. And then came back to Southern California in the summer of 99 
and I stepped into a role as a VP of sales for FedEx for the for the Western U.S. So I was in that VP position for about 17 years. So right. all up, 30 years, full-time, two years, part-time, ripe old age of 52, uh, my FedEx career came to an end in, uh, in the fall of 2016. And then it was, what's next? The big question, right? <laughs> yeah. And I, you know what? When you spent, and I never intended to spend that much time at FedEx, and it really, it's great company great experience, some awesome people uh, that I worked with along the way, really enjoyed my time there. But, you know, I was 52 and I'm like, wow, I got a lot of living left to do and a lot more gas in the tank. And mm -hmm. where do I go from here? And initially, I, I thought I'd just go back and uh, to a corporate job doing something else, right? Staying in Southern California, you know, which we've kind of been out here, you know, since uh, since the early 90s. Not and, heading back um, to Michigan? No, I wasn't going back to Michigan. That was <laughs> blinking. You missed that opportunity. And so I really thought that, um, I really thought that, you know, that's what I would be doing. And, and, uh, and that didn't turn out that way because I found very quickly that spending all that time with one company and specifically in transportation and logistics, then that's how the market viewed you. And let's be honest, if you're over 50, they want to make an investment. I mean, there's ageism that's out there. For sure. You know, do you want to make an investment in somebody who's 50 plus that's from outside your industry? You know, what type of runway or how long is that runway going to be? You have all those those things that whether it's stated or not, they're kind of out there. And then and the other side of it was, you know, because I had spent so much time in transportation and logistics, those are really the only companies that are interested in me. You know, the Amazons and people of that nature, which meant relocating and or being on a plane every week right before the pandemic uh, occurred. And I had lived that life. You know, I didn't want to leave Southern California, married with three daughters. You know, our life's out here. We want to stay. I didn't want to be on a plane every week. So it's like, hey, what's behind door number two? And, and that's ultimately how I ended up starting my own consulting company. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Never a straight line yeah. from where you were to where you're going. Um, but, you know, that's, that's kind of, that's the path I was on. Very the nice. Path I've been on. Yeah. That's awesome. So, you know, I'm curious, <clears throat> you know, cause I mean, what, to, I mean, to your point, you know, you, you leave a 30 year career and all of a sudden you're kind of in that position where, you know, you're, you're 22 again and, and saying, well, what am I going to do now? Right. And uh, so how did the, uh, like, what was your kind of process in getting into that consulting firm? Uh, kind of, can you dive in a little bit more about it? Cause I know you're, you're connected with um, sales acceleration, right? Um, you know, so kind of how did you get connected with them? What's your, uh, what was the, what was the path to get there? Great question. And really, you know, speaks to the overarching subject, right. In terms of networking and, and really the importance of, um, building and nurturing relationships. So after FedEx was over and, you know, went down the path of thinking I was going to do corporate and that didn't happen. Luckily, I had a nice safety net or, you know, security blanket mm -hmm. after my FedEx time. So I, I could take my time, right, sure. which is which is a nice luxury that a lot of people don't have when they're in transition, right? Sure. So, I, you know, I tapped into my network, which, you know, I'm ashamed to say, I think I was connected to like 600 people on LinkedIn, 600. And, and because that wasn't a focus, I, I you know, I was... Uh, a wheel and a cog working for a $70 billion global 
transportation powerhouse Fortune 50 company, mm-hmm. a well-known person within that that um, ecosystem. Outside of that ecosystem, wow! When you're outside the bubble, when you're off, when you get either you jump or you get pushed off that train going down the track, and all of a sudden you're in the wilderness. It's like, wait a minute, I need some survival skills, right? So, in tapping into my network, I had a number of people that uh, I had uh, that were friends or and or business colleagues I'd known for a number of years. And they really encouraged me: do your own thing, consulting or coaching. You'd be great. You know, you're a natural. You've had a lot of success in the talent management and development space, you know, at FedEx over the years, you'd be great. And I'm like, I don't know that I want to be a coach. There's a lot of coaches that are out there. There's a little certification you've got to go through. It wasn't, it wasn't exciting me. And then just by chance, you know, having been introduced, you know, degrees of separation. So I've got a guy in my network that introduces me to somebody in his network. And then she in turn introduces me to somebody in her network. And the person that I got introduced to from um, this woman's network worked um, as a consultant and was affiliated with an, an outfit called Sales Acceleration. And he was, uh, he is a fractional or outsourced sales VP. Mm-hmm. Now I'm over here and I'm like, wait a minute, how in the world can you outsource a sales VP position? Right. Because, you know, again, guys, I'm looking at it from the, the, the mindset of working at a Fortune 50 company. You, yeah. you know, outsource you you outsource manufacturing to Mexico or China. Right. You don't outsource sales VPs. I mean, that's just no. How can you possibly do that? And this was probably the first lesson that I learned. And, and I learned a lot of lessons. Uh, and that is the small business community. That world is so different. And where I came from, and it works. It absolutely works, and and it even works to the lower mid market companies mm-hmm. too. Um, being able to supplement what you have in house with outsourced or fractional expertise and experience across the C suite, yeah. marketing, sales, operations, finance, human resources. The list goes on. I had. I had no, I was oblivious, had no idea this world even existed. Yeah. Because again, hey, I was with FedEx. You know, this is, I, how would I know? Why would I even be interested in that, right? I was in a, I was in a whole different world. And, right. you know, it, it, it was crazy. So ended up connecting to somebody who was affiliated with Sales Acceleration. Like me, a very similar journey. This guy was a senior executive at Dun & Bradstreet, and uh, he was there 30 years his, his uh, journey came to an end, time to reinvent himself, chapter, you know, the next chapter in his life, also, also 50 plus, and uh, lands at Sales Acceleration. And you know, again, it, it's uh, the focus at Sales Acceleration, it, it's, a, it's a group, uh, an, you know, um, an entity that is the largest uh, provider of outsourced or fractional sales VPs. That's mm-hmm. their model. And so they target folks like me, men and women that uh, were Fortune 500 sales VPs and that are in that next chapter of their lives, typically yeah. 50 plus, uh, that have never owned their own business. And it's kind of like, hey, start your own consulting practice for dummies, right? That's right. the best way to describe it. Because what did I know about starting right. my own business? And I was I was scared. I mean, I'll just be candid. I, I didn't know. Yeah. I don't know where to start. I mean, right. and it's funny now because 
there's other people, as you can imagine, in the last few years that um, have been referred to me to kind of share my story. And they're kind of in the same spot. They're, they're trying to evaluate what they should do next. And, and I, I tell them like how easy it is to start your own business. Yeah, but I laugh when I think about how daunting that seemed to me, you know, three plus years ago. It was, pre- yeah. it was, it was pretty crazy. So that was the journey. And then I ended up reaching out to Sales Acceleration, expressed my interest, went through a vetting process with them. Uh, and then they, they offered me a spot to join, but you know, that being said, I'm not an employee. I'm a 1099. I, you know, my company is sales velocity advisors. So, you know, I'm an independent, uh, consultant. And so when a client does engages with me, uh, the, the, I do the work, the contracts through me, they pay me, uh, all that stuff. And so it's, it's nice, you know, it's like a realtor being affiliated with Keller Williams or century 21. It's the same thing. You know, you're an independent, but you're part of a larger team. And the value to clients of being part of that larger team, I've got 150 advisors across the US, uh, including Canada and London, and I think in China as well, we've got somebody that I can tap into their experience and expertise across any industry mm-hmm. you could possibly think of. <laughs> so it, it is, um, it's lonely when you're an independent, when you're a solopreneur, having a larger team I can tap into is is a really huge benefit, and I have uh, I have leveraged that with a number of client engagements, and then I've also shared, you know, with my peers at Sales Acceleration, uh, best practices for client engagements that they're involved in. So it's it's been good. Nice, it's awesome, man. Um, so. Going back, um, you know, obviously you mentioned there's a big difference between the corporate world and um, the small business world that you're in now. What what are some of the skill sets and, you know, ways that you did business and, you know, approach the sales process from FedEx that were transferable and, and helped you out in your, you know, process now with, with these smaller business owners or were there any? Uh, Phil, no, a great question. I, I would say two things. You have to separate the operating environment from selling fundamentals. Uh, and, and what I mean by that is the operating environment in a large company, you know, a multi-billion dollar, you know, company like a FedEx, any, anybody in, in the Fortune 1000, right? That's a very different dynamic. It's very structured a lot of process, policies and procedures. There's a hierarchy and there's tools and resources. So you've got that um, on, on the, and then you, if you were compare and contrast it to the small business community, many of those things are lacking. They just are, right? Now from a selling fundamental standpoint, and, and the analogy I use, it's kind of like sports, right? When you're a little kid, boy or girl, whether you play you know, baseball, softball, soccer, football doesn't matter right you know when you when you go out and you're a little kid they teach you the basics go to you know you go to practice right and they teach you the basics you know if it's baseball how to how to throw how to catch how to hit how to bunt stealing bases all that stuff right as you move up from little league to whatever you know high school college you know maybe maybe the minors and then pros you still focus on the basics now the skill set the skill level is different, right? There's a weeding out that occurs, but you're, the basics are the basics. Selling's the same, despite or regardless of the size of, of the company 
and the types of, of, of um, uh, prospects you're selling to, the basics are the basics, right? In terms of how, how, do you, how do you prospect for new business? How do you conduct a sales call? What's that conversation, that narrative sound like? You know, um, what do you, what's that data repository that you use, aka CRM, to keep track of, of your engagement with clients and prospects? Um, how is the compensation plan structured, the bonus plan, right? Because, you know, when you're in sales, good salespeople, uh, people that should be in sales, they are money motivated. They are ego driven and they're money motivated and they're competitive. And you need to have a, a, a commission plan, a compensation plan that incents that behavior, right? So it needs to be aligned to your strategy and it needs to incent the right behavior. So, and then of course you get the coaching aspect of it, which salespeople are not plug and play. You know, they, unlike most functional groups, they need constant, not constant, ongoing uh, coaching and interaction. Absolutely. For them to achieve their full potential. So um, stated, you know, stated a different way, the, the, the fundamentals are the fundamentals. The operating environment is different. You know, a third generation family owned business, very different than, than, a, than a, you know, a Fortune 1000 company. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's where they, you have the cultural aspects of things, right? And you've got to be able to adapt to the culture of, of the, you know, as a consultant, you adapt to the, the culture of the client. The client does not adapt to you. Something yeah, like definitely. <laughs> yeah. So, um, sorry, and I no, follow up question to that one. So, you know, specifically with when it, in regards to referrals and, you know, you mentioned when you got introduced to, you know, um, the outfit that you're with now, you got introduced through, a three or four people to get to the end there. And, and <clears throat> with your sales process, um, and, and I'm asking, cause I, I really, I've not spent a lot of time in, in big corporate America. I mean, the largest company I worked for was Canon, which lasted about six months. I couldn't stand it. So, <laughs> um, but, uh, the, everything else has been, you know, a small mom and pop shops or I've been on my own. So, um, you know, when I go out and I prospect and I ask for, you know, referrals, I, you know, I think it's pretty easy if I wanted to get introduced to you, Rich, I'm, you know, I'm going to find a connection in common on LinkedIn. I'm going to go to Ian. I'm going to say, Hey, it looks like, you know, Rich, can you introduce me? Um, you know, the mechanics of that, are, is that the same when you're at, FedEx, do you, you know, go into, you know, Hey, we didn't want to do business with Ford motor company, you know, identify the person that you need to talk to there and then go get a referral into him. Or is there something, you know, fundamentally different about how you approach that, that process? Yeah. Good question. So, you know, it's interesting when you're work for a service provider, like a FedEx, you know, there, there is a, a reoccurring revenue base that because, you know, every day you're picking up and delivering around the world, right? So you've got existing customers. And so, and, and really your focus there is you want to retain what you've got. And if there's additional opportunity within that account that you're not getting, it's going with a different, different company, right? You want to, you want to expand, you want to expand your share. You want, you want a hundred percent of anything you can possibly handle is transportation and logistics oriented. So that's, that's the mindset that you have as a sales rep. For someone who's not using you, you know, AKA a prospect, absolutely, you know, having, having a referral uh, in uh, from someone that is a trusted, you know, friend, advisor uh, to that company, to that, to that target person is huge because 
And typically they don't want to give you the time of day. They've got to, unless they're unhappy with their current provider, they're like, you know what? I'm happy. Things are good. I'm too busy to meet with you. The only time a buyer wants to engage with a salesperson is if they're unhappy, right? There's some level of pain that they want to engage. But if they're not looking to engage, there's got to be a compelling reason to do so. And you know, and I, I found in that FedEx world, and I think it, it, it rings true today as well as in the consulting practice, you know, if there's an environment where a, an existing client or even a, in, my, in my world, a past client is connecting with a prospective client and they have a chance to kind of talk, uh, you know, that, that um, past client and or existing client, they, they have a, a level of credibility that you'll never have as a sales person. You just, they just, you just won't. Right. And, and that's because it's a safe conversation. You're not that, that person, that existing or past client talking to that prospective client, they're not trying to sell them on your service. They're just sharing their experience and, and what that's like, right. Good, bad, or otherwise, I, you know, so those are golden, uh, hard to orchestrate. You know, when you work for a big company, it's a little bit easier, you know, back before the pandemic, there were things like, you know, entertainment events where, be it golf yeah. or things of that nature, you can get people together and you'd have a nice mix of prospects and clients. Uh, but that, that still works. It still works in the consulting world as well, for sure. You know, and I know, I know we're going to get to it, but you know, when you look at the difference between that warm introduction from a trusted advisor that, that, that prospective clients got a relationship with that compared to a cold outreach you just, there's no comparison. There's, I mean, cause you know, you have a, you in many cases, what'll happen depending on the relationship, the person that's introducing you to the prospective client is uh, you, you know, the conversation is, is really validating what you already know that the trusted advisor has told you before they make the intro. And, and then the client just wants to know when you can start. It's, it really is. It's it's pretty easy because they're pre-sold versus, yeah. you know, if you've got somebody, you know, the other side of it is, you know, someone will make an introduction and it's like, OK, does the client have a need or do you think they should be talking to me? Now, if you as the trusted advisor thinks the client should present the client should be talking to me, if the client's not ready, if the pain isn't great enough and the need isn't strong enough, they're not going to want to be engaged in that conversation. We you're had, not, you're not going to go anywhere. Yeah. We had, uh, one of our, one of the guests on our podcast, uh, Nate Jorgensen, uh, who's with an office furniture company here in Denver, uh, was, was saying that, you know, when I, when I'm making cold calls, you know, I'll get like one out of every 10 appointments. Right. But if I get a referral to somebody who said, Hey, I need an office furniture guy, I'm going to get the appointment every time. Right. And I think that's a, that's a perfect way to, uh, I think you just hit the on the head there. Yeah. Yeah, it's gold. It really is. I mean, you, you, there's nothing better than that. Yeah, for sure. So uh, I'm curious. So you and I were introduced by one of probably the best networkers and, and refers that, uh, that that I know personally, right? David Oates, who's also been on this, uh, on, on our podcast here. Um, so I'm curious, you know, uh, when you got when you when you kind of moved into this and uh how did you go about growing that network you know from 600 people on linkedin who were probably a really heavily weighted towards fedex employees 
right? Hundred <laughs> percent. Right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> if they weren't at FedEx, they were at FedEx previously. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So you know, how did you go from having you know just from having that network to find to getting in touch with people and making those connections with people like David Oates and uh, and and other folks that in in California and and you know because you're what Orange County now, right? Orange County. Yeah. No. yeah. So, you know, you know, Ian, it's funny because uh, I'm going to backtrack for a second because I think it provides a little more context than you guys are going to edit in any way. So when I made the pivot, you know, into the consulting world, you know, you, they have, there's an onboarding experience that you go through at sales acceleration and they, they give you this 90 day, you know, plan, right? Hey, here's your fast track to success. And I'm sitting there and they're like, you're going to be great. You're a natural, you know, you're just going to kill it. Right. So, so then I get back to my home market and I'm following this, you know, success plan. And, you know, I'm just thinking, wow, you know, all this experience and expertise I've got and all those years at FedEx and, and, and guys, look, I, you know, I, I was very blessed. I had a great career and I achieved a lot at, at a very young age, you know, uh, throughout my career, I, I just thought it was, this was going to be easy. I really did. And it wasn't, it was not, it was really hard. And I woefully underestimated how difficult it would be for two reasons. Number one, I didn't recognize that I had to shed my corporate skin and, and literally reinvent myself because people love to talk about FedEx but when you're talking to a prospective client, it's all about culture fit. And uh, if they don't think you can step in and the team is going to relate to you and you to them, you know, third generation family owned business. Uh, if you if they think you're a corporate guy or a suit, it's not it's not going to work. So it I had a shed that and I didn't realize this at the beginning. This was after the first year. It's like, wow, that was really hard because nobody knew me in the small business community. I mean, I was starting over and, and it was really hard. And I, I, you could hear crickets. I don't, I don't, there was like one mini client engagement I had the first year. It was pitiful to the point where at the end of 2018, my wife is like, are you sure about this? Is it, <laughs> are you sure? <laughs> and, but you know what? I had an epiphany right around that time. And that was, I, I reflected on my time at FedEx. And, you know, when you think about uh, a journey and anything that you've done in your life, you tend to remember how it ended, right? You remember the success. You remember the accomplishments. You don't remember the grind. You don't remember how hard it was to get there. You don't remember that success didn't come immediately that you had to earn it. And I had, I had forgotten that. And believe me, if you ever want to remember how hard things are, just try to do something totally different that you've never done before and, and do it every day, rinse and repeat and see, you know, just how long it takes you to get traction. So I forgot how, how there was an investment in the learning process that took place every step of the, of the way at FedEx. And the same thing happened with sales velocity advisors, that first year was a learning experience. And a big part of that, again, divine intervention, had a, a good friend of mine come alongside of me, knew I was starting a consulting company. And he's like, you need to join Provisors. And Ian, I know we talked about this, you're familiar with yep. Provisors, and I'm not sure if Phil is or not. Uh, but Provisors is, is uh, it's, 
It's a quasi-national networking uh, group. Uh, it, it started in Southern California 25 plus years ago. They're really strong in California, but, but now they're in Dallas and Seattle and Atlanta, uh, New England, uh, I think Chicagoland and uh, Dallas. They're looking to expand to other markets. And, and it's, it's people like me that are serving the small business community. So it's, it's uh, consultants of all stripes. And, and that could be fractional executives. It could be business coaches. It could be folks that sell insurance. It could be attorneys. It could be financial services, uh, wealth managers, any cybersecurity. I mean, you just go on and on. Anybody that serves a small business community. And, and what's great about that is referrals and a network. Because to establish a brand and to get referrals, you have to have people that can refer you. And in turn, you've got to be able to refer them. And that's the great thing about you pick whatever the networking group is, any group that's focused on, on, on commerce that comes from knowing, liking, and trusting other people. Uh, you, you know, if you invest in, in, in those groups, chances are you're going to be successful. So for me, it was, you know, going to the meetings. It was meeting up for coffee or a glass of wine. Um, you know, maybe it's, it was Zoom, you know, after when the pandemic hit, it was establishing relationships one to two people at a time. And, and, you know, and again, it's, you want to hear, you know, the, the cadence should always be, Hey, tell me about what you do. I'm really curious, your business. What is it that you do? How do you serve your clients? Who's an ideal client for you? And, and by the way, you know, I'd like to know a little bit more about you personally, you know, what, what, what are your, you know. What teams, sports teams do you follow? What's your hobbies? You're married, you got kids. You know, just who are you, right? And so, you know, and that's that conversation. And then depending on that person and your ability to be able to help them and then to help you, because there's always this vetting process. Is this somebody that would be a good um, person for me to have in my ecosystem that I can introduce to a client? Right. Mm-hmm. And where they can help them. At the same token, is this somebody based on what they do, they can make a similar introduction for me. But, you know, you have to you know, subscribe to the theory that the givers get. Right. So it's about giving. And, and whether that's an introduction, uh, a testimonial giving and then in return um, at some point and maybe not from that same person, you know, you're going to have business Uh, come to you as well, right? It's all about karma. But, you know, and then I think the other part of it is, is identifying, you know, who are those other service providers that you can help the most that can help you? Like in my world, it's other consultants, people that like me are specialists, sales, marketing, operations, finance, business coaches, you know, those are, those are ideal people uh, that I can refer them. They can refer me recruiters because I get involved a, a lot <laughs> with with sourcing talent, right, sure. on behalf of my clients. So yeah, I mean, and that that's and then but beyond that though, there are always going to be people that you meet when you are really intentional about um, uh, engaging and nurturing a network. There's going to be people that you you connect with, like you, Ian, that yeah. you just really enjoy. You just enjoy connecting every time yeah. you you. You connect, you have a great conversation, and maybe you can help each other. Maybe, you know, maybe it's not a client introduction. 
maybe it's a shit. You know what? I could talk about business development all day long. Anybody that owns a company is a salesperson. They do right. business development. I, you know, I just happen to have spent my entire life there, you know, in sales and then in sales leadership, but we're all salespeople. Everybody sells every mm-hmm. company, whether you believe it or not. Yeah. I mean, there's some level of selling that goes on. Yeah. Absolutely. Definitely. So um, you mentioned the ProVisors group and uh, how has that changed now that everything is, you know, kind of virtual and, and it, maybe it's a little bit different in California, um, you know, in, in Denver here, everybody has kind of gone to, you know, virtual Zoom meetings and everything. And, um, you know, so how has that changed the dynamic of the the relationships that you're building and or, or has it changed anything or just other than the mechanics? Uh, you know, I, I think if I was starting out, if it was 2018 all over again, and I was starting out, I think it would have been really hard. It would have been really, really hard to join a networking group, being you know, be new to them, and really try to develop meaningful relationships with people. I think it would have been challenging. I was fortunate that I was two years in when the pandemic hit, uh, and I went from 600 uh, LinkedIn connections to, I think I've got like 8,400 today. I don't know what I had a year ago. So I've, um, and, and I don't, I'm not boasting about that. I mean, do I know every single person? No, I don't. I, I know a lot of people. I mean, I've really painstakingly spent the last three years building my brand, creating awareness about who I am and how I serve my clients. And I've been very focused on building a solid reputation in the business community, you know, with other service providers like myself. And that just takes time, you know, and then part of that is working with folks, you know, collectively serving clients and then seeing like, you know, how you engage, how the, you know, what the client says about you in terms of feedback, right. On the experience, um, how you think, right. And how you, you know, how you articulate, how you show up on meetings and, you know, conducting webinars or doing discovery calls and what have you. But, you know, it's, we've pivoted to virtual. It's all been virtual. I think for some people it's been, it's really been a struggle, Phil, because, you know, no different than organizations that had a pivot from face-to-face selling to virtual selling, you know, for some people it was really, really hard and they are still struggling with it because they just miss that human interaction, well, we all do. We miss that human interaction. You know, the, as we have that innate desire to be with people. And when you're in, in sales in particular, there's an energy that you, that you give and there's an energy that you take when you're with people. Zoom is absolutely better than just an audio call, for yeah. sure. But it's not the same as being there together in person. There's nothing that takes the place of that. So it's missed. I think people have adapted as best they can. Um, you know, what we, and, and, you know, most network, most networking groups will just, you know, tell you, you know, if you want to meet up on your own, not as a group, but as individuals, you know, it's totally up to you. You know, we're not going to sanction it. We're not putting our name on it because they don't want the liability. And, and people are starting to go back out, you know, and do it and do it in a responsible manner. Uh, but, you know, as we get into the second half of the year and um, we're able to tampen, um, you know, flatten the curve with a higher degree of people being vaccinated and or having had COVID and they, you know, reopen things fully. Now, I think you'll see us, you know, pivoting back to that, but 
don't use it as I, a lot of people use it as an excuse. Don't mm-hmm. use it as an excuse. You know, you there's a you've got to balance three separate things at all times when you're a small uh, business provider like myself. Uh, you've got to be focused on business development, so net new clients. You've got to be focused on serving the clients you've got, and you've got to be focused on developing and nurturing uh, your network. And you cannot neglect any one of those three things. So I really like this idea of these kind of three main focuses for any business owner, any service provider, uh, so on and so forth. You know, I mean, because the the obviously we know that we have to develop new business because you know, one way, shape or form, old business is going to fall off, right? You're going to have a successful completion of a project. Uh, someone's going to move on, whatever the case may be. It's rare that you have one client that lasts you for your entire career and that's okay. Right. But, uh, but you know, as a result of that, we have to always make sure that we're developing new business and going out and finding people to replace that with. Right. And that's also good. But what we tend to forget about, at least I feel like, like a lot of people tend to forget about is that one of the three things that we do have a responsibility to, to do as business owners and service providers is that is is to actually keep developing your network right and keep mm-hmm. refining that network and making sure that you're in contact with people you know because that is going to be that's that you're you're that's building your well right i mean it's uh it's 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 going to be what's there long term for you yeah, absolutely. And it is one of the easiest things to kind of get pushed to the back burner because it's not, you know, right there in front of you going to make you money. You know, you're not constantly having it pop up in front of you unless you're really good at setting reminders in your CRM, which you should be. Um, but, you know, it's just one of those things that that isn't as uh, sexy and it's, it's, you know, easy to forget about. And it's one of the most important things that you can be doing for your business, though. And it's something that you really need to give ample and and appropriate attention to. And, you know, once you get in the, in the swing of it, in the habit of it, it's one of the most enjoyable things. And it's also one of the most beneficial things. So, you know, I, I love that piece of my business because it's just, you know, it's going out and, you know, kind of hanging out with your, with your friends, in my opinion, and, you know, developing those relationships, understanding how you can help them, uh, letting them know, you know, sharing in successes, telling them how, you know, they've helped you, how they can help you again. And, uh, you know, usually you're doing that over, you know, lunch or beer, or, you know, having a great conversation. So I don't know. I, this is the one thing that I uh, absolutely am most fond of with business. So those three things now in any given week, in any given month, you may give more bandwidth to one of those three areas. You know, I'm blessed right now. I've got a, I've got a really good um, group of clients that I'm working with. So I'm busy, you know, but I still have time for business development and I still have time for, uh, networking, you know, nurturing and development. I just sent a couple of notes over the weekend to people that I want to connect with, you know, and, but I, I just try to, you just try to dial those in, you know, you plug them in where you can, right. Uh, and within reason, but, you know, and there's ways you can do it with social media too, you know, genuinely liking, commenting on people's posts that are from a, from a, 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 a network development and nurturing standpoint, you know, there's, there's absolutely ways that you can do that. Uh, and, you know, having some level of social media presence, and Ian, we may have talked about this. I know I did with Dean. You absolutely need to make that investment. You know, uh, there's a lot of people that uh, that you will meet, and you can only get to so many in a given month, a given quarter. How do you stay top of mind? You know, I'm not the only um, 
person owning a sales consulting company in Southern California. So I, I really leverage LinkedIn in terms of thought leadership. And that could be posting short videos that I'm speaking in and, and sharing best practices and expertise that companies can go back and use. I'm not overtly selling anything. I, I also share some things that, you know, be it the Wall Street Journal or or different articles that are out there that are that are business related, you know, talking about the economy and the recovering and hiring picking back up and, you know, what's happening in terms of, of disruption and innovation. Because I, I got companies in manufacturing, I got them in tech, I've got SaaS, construction, and so it's across the universe, B2C, B2B. So there's a wide audience that's out there, but, you know, macroeconomic trends is stuff we all read about, retail sales, you know, unemployment rates, right, you know, stimulus, you know, and um, any type of legislation that will impact the business community. Those are things that resonate with people. But then there's also stuff that is more sales and sales leadership specific, you know, and that could be, you know, you know, you know how something as simple as, um, you know, what's the, the you know, the, the way to improve your sales culture or how to how to help your sales manager be effective or what do you do if you made a hiring mistake with a sales rep? You know, and that, that kind of stuff. But, so wait, then, what do you do when you make a hiring mistake? With <laughs> I feel like that could be an entirely different podcast, though. <laughs> totally, yeah. <laughs> so the first thing you do is you admit. Yeah, right. Then, <laughs> all right. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. You cut, your, you cut your losses as quickly as you can. Right, oh, right. Yeah, and I'll tell you, business, look, I, and that anybody who's been in a sales leadership position for longer than three months, you could even say longer than one month. You yeah. probably hired, you have hired somebody that if you could go back in time and undo that decision, you would. Sure. That's okay. You know, you just, you want to have a really good batting average. Right, That's what you right, have to aspire yeah. to and learn from your mistakes. Mm-hmm. And, and, and yeah, you're right. We can absolutely do a, a whole podcast <laughs> just on that. But, but, you know, the other thing too, is it's, you've got to hire right. You know, that's the, that's the problem that I see Ian, and with so many companies. It, it's, they hire good people. They just hire people that are not well suited for the role they're hiring for. Right. And, and they, and you have to be able to delineate between the two, mm-hmm. you know, not everybody is the perfect sales rep for your company and your industry. Yeah. So, awesome. Well, Rich, we do have to wrap up here. I could, I mean, we could keep talking. We, there's a great conversation. We could keep this going for a for a very, very long time. Definitely. I'm sure we'll have to have you back at some point. Um, but, uh, so one of the questions that we like to leave people with is if you can go back to, uh, to that 2018 version of you and you're just getting started, what sort of advice would you give yourself, you know, to kind of tr- to, to, to help speed things along, to help that, to help, uh, facilitate the process? So a few things. The first thing I would say is what got you here won't get you there. Meaning that you, you really need to recognize that um, when you're making a pivot like I did, that the, this is a whole different world and you, you, you need to quickly determine what success looks like and then how to get there. And, and, and really what I would say is analogous, what I, what I recognized. Uh, and I would tell my 2018 version of me, of Rich Cacuzzo, in life and in business, it's all about relationships whether you work at a large company as an employee or you own your own business, that mantra is exactly the same. So if the players have changed, 
then you need to get out there and build the brand, create awareness, one person at a time, be authentic, be genuine, be patient with yourself because it's not going to happen overnight and, and, uh, and stay, po- stay focused. And in time, it'll come. And you know what? A certain amount of prayer and, um, and wine drinking, it definitely will help you get there a little bit quicker. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Mm. Um, and uh, finally, what, where can people find you if they wanted to find you online? Where, uh, where are you at? So the easiest way to do that, uh, Phil, is it's at uh, my website, which is www.salesvelocityadvisors.com. Uh, or you can find me on LinkedIn. It's Rich Cucuzzo, C-O-C-U-Z-Z-O. I uh, really appreciate the opportunity to be with you guys today. Yeah. Love to come back at any time and talk about whatever you want to talk about. Because I'm a sales guy, so I, I like to talk to people, good people <laughs> that right. I like and I respect. And uh, and I think what you're doing is great because it's all about relationships, guys. That's it. That's awesome, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. Well, Rich, thank you so much for being here, man. I'm looking forward to uh, to, to more in the future. Hey, next time I come back, I'm going to have a beard, well, at least a goatee, and I'm going to wear like a cardigan. I'm going to do it. I, perfect. There you go. <laughs> <I'll do it. laughs> All right. You guys have a great day. Thank you. Thanks yes. for having me on. Thank you. It. Cheers. That was another awesome episode of the Referral Bench Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us, tuning in, and sticking around till the end. We really appreciate it, and we appreciate you sharing it with all your friends as well. Absolutely. And while you're at it, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, whatever platform you're using. And don't forget to rate and review the podcast as well. That definitely helps us with our ratings and with our rankings and whatnot and uh, helps us get in front of more people. We're dropping fresh episodes every Thursday morning. So tune in every week and we look forward to hearing you next time. And we'll see you next week. Cheers.